You may be seated for a moment. As I said uh, last week, uh, just at the beginning of the service, we're going to take a couple minutes just to talk about worship. And we've been talking about how to make worship more meaningful. We always spend uh, about half an hour, 40 minutes at the beginning of our service uh, singing and, and worshiping God. And so we want to make sure that time is, is uh, most meaningful for us. And last week I just mentioned quickly uh, that uh, no matter what you've gone through this week, whenever you come in here, uh, the true new you in Jesus always wants to worship. Because uh, there are times when I walk in or you walk in and we may not, in our old self, we may feel like, I don't really want to worship today. You know, I had a hard week. I just don't want to worship. Uh, but the reality is the new you, the true you in Jesus always, always wants to worship. And the old man is dead, we put away the old, and we live into the new. And so there are times when we just have to say, sorry, old man, the new me wants to worship. And so we worship. A second thing that helps uh, for worship is to, to use your imagination in worship. Uh, they've done studies and found people who um, uh, are the most engaged in worship tend to use their imaginations in worship, whether they realize it or not. And God has given us the gift of our imagination uh, and it can be used in many ways to bridge what we see and what is truly real. In other words, when we're gathered here for worship, what we see, we, we see other people. Uh, we see uh, awesome youth band today, minus me, of course. Uh, uh, we see that. But what is actually real is that Jesus is here. Yes. So we can see with our physical eyes, we see people in a worship band. But what is truly real is Jesus is actually here. And this is where your imagination can bridge what we see to what is actually truly real. And so as you worship, and I do this all the time, uh, you can picture Jesus just walking amongst us as we worship. Uh, sometimes when the song is more upbeat, I actually picture Jesus dancing up at the front. And, and, uh, but just to picture Jesus, because he's here. Uh, you can also use your imagination to uh, visualize aspects of the song. And, and again, I find this quite helpful. Um, I mean, we're going to do Hallelujah today, where it talks about, you know, uh, all the angels cry out, holy are you, and then all the earth responds, and that's something you can actually picture in your mind. Or I know we're doing today, uh, Broken Vessels, where it talks about seeing the love in his eyes, where as you sing, you can actually picture Jesus on the cross with these eyes of love dying for us. And so, use your imagination uh, to bridge what you see to what is actually real, and it helps uh, making worship more meaningful. So God, we pray as we continue to worship. Uh, God, that we just live into the promise that you are here. That when we are gathered together, that it says in 1 Corinthians 5, 4, that the power of the Lord Jesus is present. So God, work in us, and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. We have been uh, working through a series on prayer for the last little while and uh, just praying about what to speak on. And this subject came up uh, this week, a prayer protection in the battles of life. And so that's what we're going to be uh, talking about today. And just a bit of a review of where we've been over the last uh, number of weeks. Uh, prayer, of course, is multifaceted. But one definition we looked at was this. Prayer is simply... An outpouring of your heart to God, and then making room in your life to hear back from Him. 
Prayer is how we see heaven invade earth. It's what opens door, opens up the floodgates for God to come down, down and be involved in their everyday circumstance. You can look at prayer as uh, you know, God just wanting to pour stuff out, uh, but that there's a door in the way. And prayer opens that door. And God is wanting to pour out his kingdom upon your life. Uh, but prayer is what opens the door, opens the floodgates of heaven, and allows God and his will to be done in, in whatever situation you're involved in. And we've talked a lot about this phrase, that often the difference between God's will being done and not being done is prayer. Uh, that God's will doesn't automatically happen in your life. That often, throughout the scriptures, the difference between God's will being done and not being done is, is our prayer life. And, uh, and God's will is always a good thing. We never need to be afraid of it, because God is love, He is good. His, his will may not always be easy, but I tell you, it's awesome. That's why heaven, makes, why heaven is so wonderful, is because it's a place where God's will is always is done. And if you want more of heaven in your life, then you need to be a person of prayer. Because again, God's will is not automatic in your life, but prayer often makes the difference between God's will being done and not being done in your life. And this is exactly what Jesus actually taught us to pray, which is sort of the model daily prayer. He taught us that we are to pray, God, would your kingdom come and would your will be done? Now, God's kingdom just automatically happened and his will automatically happened in, his, in, in, in our lives. That prayer makes no sense. But the realization that we've been seeing is that often the difference between God's will being done and not being done is actually when we engage in prayer. You can go back and, and check that out if you want. And we can have tremendous confidence in, in prayer. We also, also talked about this. It's important we have confidence when we pray. And uh, 1 John chapter 5 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. And John says that we should actually have real confidence in this. That if we pray anything according to God's will, that we should have confidence that he hears us, and we should also have confidence that, that we will receive what we've asked for because we're praying in line with God's will. And so it's important, as we talked about, to try to get ourselves more and more aligned with the will of God. To understand his character, to understand his nature, so that we can look at a situation and we say, well, I know what God's character and what he would probably do in a situation. And so you pray into that. And if you don't know what God's will is, sometimes it's good prayer just to say, God, I don't know how to pray. Would you teach me how to pray in this situation? Because I want to have confidence when I pray that when I pray according to your will, that I know you hear me. And if I know you hear me, I know that I will receive what I've prayed for. And so we can pray with confidence. But we also know that sometimes, even when we're praying in line with God's will, it can take more than one prayer. And this is why last week we talked about the, the idea of persistent prayer. That sometimes even when we're praying in line with God's will, because uh, just the nature of the mystery of this universe, and there's so many things going on that we don't understand, that sometimes your prayer is going to have to be persistent. And this is why, as we talked about last week, that Jesus told us to always pray and never give up. And he taught us that because he, he understands that, that sometimes we are tempted to give up. 
Sometimes we've been praying for something, and maybe it's for, for a relationship, and, and, and God's ideal is, of course, that relationships would thrive, and marriages would be beautiful, and, and we we're praying in line with God's will, but sometimes it will take persistent prayer, and we need to make sure that we are not people who give up. That we just keep praying and praying and praying and praying and praying because this is what the Bible teaches. So that's some of the stuff we've been talking about. I want to talk today about prayer and protection. Uh, often the difference, again, between God's will being done and not being done is prayer. And often the difference between, or I should say, sometimes the difference between protection in our lives and not being protected is actually prayer. And that's what we're going to talk about today. This is a picture of the Assyrian army. Uh, 700 BC, the Assyrians were some of the most powerful, uh, they were the, the powerful force of the day. Uh, and they were some of the most murderous, brutal people that had existed up to that point. They uh, would just try to scare people into submission. So when they conquered a village, they would brutally uh, torture people in the most horrendous ways to bring fear upon the next village so the next village would surrender. And they were incredibly powerful. They swept through uh, all of the sort of the Middle Near Eastern countries and they, they came to Jerusalem. They had not had one defeat. And they come to Jerusalem and uh, they say to King Hezekiah, you might as well give up. No one's been able to defeat us. We've had victory every single time. You have no hope. Your God can't help you. I mean, it was a real difficult situation they were in. It was a hopeless situation. And maybe even today that you come here and you're like, it just seems that my situation is hopeless. Well, Jerusalem was in a hopeless situation. But one of my favorite passages is when uh, Hezekiah goes, he, he realizes it's impossible, but he understands something, which needs to be as... Abby talked a little bit about this weekend, that we need to have these principles which we, we found our life on. And one of those principles should be that God can do the impossible. No matter what you're facing, God can actually do the impossible. And Hezekiah know, knows that, so he goes into the temple and he prays for protection. He prays for help in this battle he's about, he's about to face. And Hezekiah, or, uh, Isaiah the prophet later comes and he says this. And then... Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. And he says, because you have prayed, and he goes on to say, you're going to be delivered. I love that phrase. Because you have prayed, you're going to be protected. And my question is, what if he didn't pray? This seems to be the determining factor in the story. Because you have, and again, we've been talking about this all the time, that often the difference between God's will being done and not being done is our prayer. And in this story, the pivotal turning point is this prayer of Hezekiah. And so the prophet comes and says, because you have prayed, protection will be on the city. And I think often there are those lines in our life, because you have prayed, Jesse. Because you have prayed, Basil. And the question sometimes is, well, what if we don't pray? Uh, we can look at Acts chapter 12. That's when Peter was taken captive. And he's thrown in prison. And uh, Herod is going to kill him after the, the, after the Sabbath, after the Passover. And he's lying in prison. But it says this. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. They were gathered. They were praying for him. Because, again, this was an impossible situation. 
Peter was in the prison of Herod, and you just don't go pull people out of prisons with the, the Roman army. But they knew God could do the impossible. So they begin to pray, and they're praying earnestly. And this miracle happens. This angel comes in and, uh, and, and, and brings Peter out of the prison. This, this miraculous story. But it seems that the hinging point of the story, again, was, was prayer. The prayer made the difference uh, whether Peter stayed in prison or was released in prison. And sometimes the difference in whether we are protected in our life is, is prayer. And we need protection. We are in a world that has a lot of trouble. And this shouldn't surprise us. Uh, there is suffering all around us. There is suffering in our own lives as uh, at times. And this shouldn't surprise us. I mean, Jesus told us very clearly that, that in this world, we're going to have trouble. And we all know that. It's a very, very true verse, right? Uh, because of the fallen nature. We are living in a fallen world. Uh, there are sicknesses and diseases. There are natural disasters. We are living in a world that is, is far from perfect, that was corrupted at the fall. We are also surrounded by uh, fallen humanity. Fallen humanity around us that at times does things that, that are not in line with the kingdom. And there's a fallen humanity within our own selves that sometimes we uh, hurt people. We, we do things that are, aren't kingdom. And, and this all adds to the, the havoc we see all around us. But then we add on top of that Fallen spiritual beings. And this plays a huge role in the, in the trouble, in the hardship, in the destruction, in the trouble we see in this world that Paul said that our battle isn't even against flesh and blood, but it's against these fallen, evil spiritual beings. Uh, we are actually quite vulnerable as humans. I mean, we are surrounded by a fallen world. We're surrounded by fallen humanity. We are nuts outside and in, and we are surrounded by these evil spiritual beings that want to uh, mess up our lives and, 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 and pull us away from the kingdom. I mean, we are quite vulnerable. Uh, we need protection in this world we live in. Not everything that happens to us is God's will. Because sometimes, uh, when I talk to people about this idea, they will say, well, we don't really need to pray for protection because... Nothing can happen to me uh, unless it's God's will. And this goes back to this whole discussion we've been talking about, that, that there are actually a lot of things that happen in this world that are not God's will. I mean, every time you sin, that happens to you. When you sin and you hurt somebody or you get hurt whenever you sin, that's not God's will. God doesn't will for you to sin, but it happens to you. I mean, there are times when we do things or engage in things or the world does things to us that are actually not God's will. Sometimes they're a result of a consequence. You know, there seems to be this natural law that the Bible talks about that you tend to, 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 to reap what you sow. And if you sow in evil and sow in a realm that's not kingdom, sometimes you face consequences from that, and that's not God's will. This is the nature of cause and effect or uh, sowing and reaping. And again, we're living in a world where there's a fallen world, there's fallen humanity, there, there are fallen evil spiritual beings, and sometimes the mystery of all that can, things happen to us that are not God's will. And sometimes people will say, you know, you know, uh, you know, I got diagnosed with cancer, you know, I guess it must be God's will. Really? Uh, maybe, but uh, I, I would argue the other way around, because, I mean, there are things that happen to us that are not God's will. I mean, you can't picture a loving father saying to, to a child, you know, I'm just going to put cancer on you. I mean, if you start saying that the only things that can happen to me are, are in line with God's will, then you need to say, well, if, if a Christian is raped, then it must have been God's will. 
Uh, the Christians who were killed in the concentration camps under Hitler, I guess that must have been God's will. I mean, the reality is there are things that happen to us that, are, that is not God's will. Uh, I mean, Jesus, when it came to sickness, when uh, it said that a large crowd followed him and, and he healed all who were ill. In Matthew 14, it says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. It seemed whenever Jesus was in contact with, with sickness, he, he healed those people. Not once did Jesus come up to a healthy person and say, actually, my will for you is to have disease. And here I'm going to give you disease. You never see that. And not once do you see uh, someone coming up to Jesus and saying, Jesus, would you heal me? Not once do you see Jesus saying, well, actually, my will is for you to be sick. I'm not going to heal you. But every time he, he brings healing, I mean, there are things that go on. My point is that there are things that go on in our bodies at times that, that are not God's will. Again, we need protection from this fallen world. And if you think, by the way, your sickness is God's will, then you better not go to the doctor. Because if you go to the doctor, you're actually fighting against God's will. <laughs> if you feel sick and you say, well, it must be God's will, then you better not ever go to prayer. Because actually, if you go to prayer, you're fighting against God's will. I mean, we know when we get sick. We know that it's off. It's not kingdom. And so we go to the doctor. We go to prayer because we know it's not in line with God's will. Things happen to us that are not in line with God's will. We could say this even when it comes to death of Christians. That sometimes Christians are killed, are defeated in the battle of life, and it's, and it's not God's will. I mean, sometimes we have these phrases, well, you know, I guess God needed another angel. Or, you know, I guess God just wanted to call him home. You know, uh, I guess it was God's will. Well, maybe, I know God at times can take someone, but, but I think often it's actually the work of the enemy. I mean... The Bible actually describes death as an enemy. 1 Corinthians 15 says, The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Or Hebrews 2, the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. I mean, John 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so if a, I don't know, like a 10-year-old girl comes down with, with, with uh, severe uh, brain cancer, and, and that little girl ends up dying, leaving the, the family in devastation. I mean, that's not God saying, you know, we just need another angel. It's not God saying, well, that's my will. I mean, look at this verse. What does it fall more into the category of the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Or does it fall more in the category of I have come that they may have life and have to the full? I mean, there are times when things can happen to us that are not God's will. There are things that can happen in with evil spiritual beings that can happen to us that are not God's will. Again, sometimes I run into people who say, you know, Satan can't do anything to me unless it's God's will. Uh, Satan can't do anything to me unless it's the will of God. That would make no sense in light of, light of these scriptures, because in James chapter 4, uh, the Bible tells us to resist the devil. If Satan can't do anything to you unless it's the will of God, then why would the Bible tell us to resist him? Because after all, it's God's will anyways. Uh, Ephesians 6, stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Uh, these don't make, make any sense if, if Satan can only do to us what is the will of God, or only can touch us when it's the will of God. And, and that idea, of course, comes from Job chapter 1. But we need to be careful that we don't take what happened to one individual and say, well, that's what happens to every individual. I mean, I mean there are times when all through the scriptures that the enemy does things to us that are not in line with God's will. First Peter, be alert and of sober mind. 
Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. In other words, we need to stand against Satan. We need to stand against evil spiritual beings because they want to kill, steal, and destroy, and we can be vulnerable. But prayer actually adds another layer of protection to our lives. And God actually describes himself as a protector. He describes himself as a protector of his children. In Psalm 46, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, Psalm 25 says, my eyes are always on the Lord, for he rescues me from the traps of my enemies. Psalm 121, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Uh, psalm 91 is a famous psalm all about God's protection. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my, fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your right side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra and you will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. Notice the idea of prayer in here. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And all through the scripture, we see God revealing himself as protector. But we also know, if we open up the Bible, that there are times when a lot of God's children went through suffering. There are a lot of times when God's children were, their lives were ended early. Uh, and, and there's tra tra tragedy, and we've seen that in our own midst. And, and we know people that, that that happens to. And again, the reality is that there are times when things happen to us that are not God's, God's will. But prayer adds a layer of protection. And my point is kind of generally this. That when you become a child of God... And, I think I have a point here. Uh, when you are a son or a daughter of God, you automatically receive a level of protection. If you're not a Christian, you become a Christian, there's a certain level, if you will, of protection just by being a son or daughter of God. And, and we see all throughout the scripture, there are times when God's children are protected and they didn't even pray. <laughs> we see in Acts 28, remember, the viper comes out and, and grabs Paul's hand and everybody's like, oh, he's going to die. And then he didn't die and all the islanders thought he was some sort of God because people die when you get bitten, bitten by a viper. He was not harmed at all. He was protected, even though he didn't pray, because... Just when you're a son or daughter, you receive a level of protection. 
But we also know there are a lot of times when Paul wasn't protected. This doesn't mean you're always going to be protected. It just means you have a level of protection because you are a son or daughter of God. But prayer, if you will, adds another layer of protection in the battles of life. In Psalm 50, it says, Call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. Now again, what if you don't call him? Call on him. But what if you don't pray? It may be that God would have delivered you uh, when, 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 when you prayed, other than if you didn't pray, if you will. Um, I think an illustration might be helpful. Uh, James and I, uh, my son, we do quite a bit of dirt biking. And uh, when we go out dirt biking, we always know that there's a possibility of, you know, a crash or falling or scraping ourselves because it's just part of dirt biking. I mean, Basil knows what that's like. Sometimes you, you crash and you fall. Now, knowing that the possibility of crashing and falling is, is, is up there, and it's probably, usually we fall at least a few times on a ride, uh, we know that's a possibility. We don't go dirt biking in our underwear. <laughs> right? We could. We could hop on that dirt bike and just go, in, go dirt bike in underwear, but the chance of even having a small fall and getting all scraped up is, is really good. We realize that it's just not a good idea to go riding in your underwear, and so I could add a layer of protection. I could go dirt biking in my jeans and, and my t-shirt, and you know what? That's a layer of protection. If I crash, I may not be scraped quite as bad, but there's still a good chance I'm going to get hurt, but I have a layer of protection. Now, we know that it's even better if you have another layer of protection. And so what we do is we suit up with elbow pads, knee pads, and a helmet. And we got this whole vest that's all protected and thick pants and motorcycle boots. And, because, and there's lots of times when we've crashed and it's been hard and we don't get hurt, uh, but because we have another layer of protection. Now, we still know, even with all that protection, that there still could be a really bad accident and I could break my arm and my leg even though I have all that protection. And, and this is kind of the way the story of the scripture is. Uh, when you are walking without God in your life, it's like motorbiking in your underwear. I mean, you're, you're exposed. You give your life to Jesus, you just, you just automatically, throughout the scripture, you see you just have this layer of protection. It's like motorbiking in your jeans and t-shirt. But if you want another layer of protection, you want your armor on, then you need to pray. Pray at, prayer adds a layer of protection to this battle of this fallen world, of fallen humanity, and, and fallenness around us. Now, does that guarantee we're not going to get hurt? No. I, I know lots of Christians who have had, I mean, even this week, week I got whacked in the head with a, a burning log, and I had a scab about this big on my forehead, and it came off yesterday. But, I mean, things happened, right? But prayer adds a layer of protection to us. And we see this throughout the scripture. We see prayer makes a difference of protection in our fallen world. In Acts chapter 28, it says, The chief official's father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. This person uh, was affected by the battle and the fallenness of this world, but Paul goes in and he prays, and he's, he's healed. And we see that throughout the scripture, these miraculous healings that prayer again uh, offers this layer of protection. Often the difference between God's will being done and not being done is prayer. We see in the book of James that Elijah prayed for it to rain after a drought. I mean, our prayers can even add a layer of protection to the weather and the fallen effects of this world. 
Again, this doesn't mean that we're going to be able to you know, stop everything, of course, but, but it's a layer of protection. Prayer adds a layer of protection to fallen humanity. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul specifically asks, he says, Pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. And Paul understood that not everything that happened to him was God's will. He understood that there were, there were fallen humans out there who wanted to take his life. And so he says, pray for me for safety. Because Paul understood that prayer adds a layer of protection to, to our lives. We see in Ezra that prayer adds a layer of protection. This is when, in, in about uh, 450 BC, when Ezra was going to lead uh, some of the captives back from uh, from Babylon back into the, from the Persian Empire back to Jerusalem. And of course, to do that, you had to travel through the desert. And it was very dangerous. Uh, people, you get robbed or beaten up. And he knew that it was, it was very, he probably shouldn't do that without protection. But uh, he decides he's going to pray. He says, we fasted and earnestly prayed that God would take care of us. And he heard our prayer. Prayer added a layer of protection uh, as they traveled against fallen humanity. Jesus said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. A prayer even adds a layer of protection to our own fallen humanity. I mean, we're all tempted in various ways to, uh, to sin or to, to burst out in anger or to, 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 to let loose that little gossip we have in, in our hearts. I mean, we're all tempted to do that at times, but Jesus said prayer actually makes a difference. Prayer actually adds a layer of protection to us when we are feeling uh, tempted. Uh, we can see prayer and fallen spiritual beings. In Matthew 6, Jesus, again, this is the, sort of the model daily prayer. He actually said this. Uh, this thing is how you should pray, and he lists a whole bunch of things. And one of those things is this. Deliver us from the evil one. Now, Satan can only do to you what was according to God's will. This would make no sense. Why, why pray? Because God, Satan can only do to me what's according to God's will. But no, Jesus said that every day part of your prayer language should be, I need protection from the evil one. Because again, Satan's desire is to kill and to steal and destroy. And again, this battle is so real that Paul said that actually our battle is not against flesh and blood, but, but it's actually against these evil spiritual beings. And so we better be praying. Jesus himself in John 17 said this, My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. Even Jesus prayed for a layer of protection over us. And if Jesus is praying for this for us, and Jesus taught us to pray for this, then I tell you, we had better be praying. And I tell you, just part of my prayer language every day is, Father, would you protect this church, would you protect this community? Would you protect my family from, from the evil one? Because this is what Jesus taught us to pray. Because there are real evil spirits that want to attack us. The whole passage in Ephesians 6, it talks about this. Uh, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor. So that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Again, Paul says, you better put on all your armor. Because the reality is... We're very vulnerable as humans in this fallen world. You better be wearing your armor. You better not be out motorbiking in your underwear because you're very vulnerable. Uh, put on the full armor. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. 
Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground. And, and it goes on to list the, the armor, various armors uh, of Ephesians chapter 6. We did a whole series on that in the spring. But then he says this, pray in the spirit at all times on an every occasion. Prayer is not part of the armor. Prayer is what covers all of the armor. In other words, as we put on the belt of truth and we put on the helmet of salvation and the shoes of peace, we cover, we're just always covering things in prayer. And we need to be in prayer on all occasions because we are very vulnerable in this broken world. There's this fallen world that gets us. And there's fallen humanity that, that gets us. And, and this is the fallen of, of our own selves. And the fallen evil spirits that want to kill, steal, and destroy. And one of the most powerful weapons we have is prayer. And so if you want an added layer of protection, we need to be praying. Now this does not mean, again, you're always going to be protected. I mean, some of those faithful people in the Bible, like Paul, man, he had so many miracles in his life. <laughs> he had some miracles. He was healing people. He got delivered at times. Uh, he was protected so many times, miraculously. But then... Do you know that famous passage about him being shipwrecked and beaten and hungry and all of these things that he had to endure? And in the end, he was martyred. I mean, prayer adds a certain layer of protection. Absolutely. And we see miracles here. And there are stories of miraculous protection, but there are also stories of where the mystery of suffering has won out the battle. Sometimes through prayer, God will deliver us and protect us from difficulty. Uh, sometimes through prayer, God will actually take us through the, the difficulty. We still need to walk through it, but God is miraculously preserving us through the difficulty. And Isaiah 43, it says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression... You will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. And there are times when God actually takes us through the fire and he protects us through the fire. I mean, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they got thrown into the fire. <laughs> but they were protected in the fire. Sometimes God will completely deliver you <laughs> from your situation. You don't even have to go through it. Sometimes through prayer, he's going to uphold you and lift you and carry you through your difficulty. And sometimes, though we pray, the difficulty may overtake us. And what we need to remember is in the end, victory is always ours. If we're defeated in the battle of this world, victory is still always ours. It's always ours. I mean, this life is just, man, it's like, I mean, if you've considered all the room in the entire universe, I mean, that's our existence for eternity. And I could go and I could take like, I don't know, this little speck of dust here. That's our life right now. That's our life right now compared to all the room in the universe. I mean, we could spend eternity in the new earth and in the new heaven. I mean, this is just a small speck. And so even in the small speck of life, if you're defeated in your battle, even though you've been praying and seeking God, if you're defeated in this battle, guess what? Victory is still yours. Amen. And if you were to take the average of your life, it's so awesome. Even if the speck of dust was so hard and difficult, the average of your entire life, it's, it's just mind-blowingly amazing. Because this is just a speck 
compared to all of our existence that we are going to live. And you see both of these stories throughout the Bible. You see miracles. You see amazing testimonies of deliverance. But you also see people getting defeated by the battle. We see the same story here. You see this, the same. I mean, here's the passage. I do not have tell, time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and, and Jephthah, and about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions, quenched the uh, fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength. He became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead and raised to life again. Miracle after miracle and protection from God flowing down to these people and just, just like, wow, mind-blowing, cool stuff. But the next verse goes on to say this. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. I mean, the reality is prayer, it absolutely adds a layer of protection. Don't live unprotected. Uh, but at times, things, things can still happen. But even if they do happen, man... The average of your life is just amazing. The average of your life, man, even if you're going through the most difficult week, when you look at your life and the big picture of things, you are doing super duper duper absolutely amazing. It's incredible. Things are really, really good. It's what it says in Romans. What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. And so as we go through this battle of life, we pray. And we pray with faith, and we pray with confidence, knowing that we are praying in line with God's will. We have confidence that if he hears us, he's going to answer us. We know sometimes that's going to take persistent prayer, and we've got to pray again and again and again and again and again. And we better be praying against this fallen world and fallen humanity and fallen evil spiritual beings. And we walk that out in faith, and there are times when we're going to see miracles, and we're going to see more miracles than we have seen. But there's also times when, sadly... The fallenness and the mystery of this broken world is sometimes going to defeat us. But we don't lose faith. We don't check out. We just stand up and we keep going because we know in the end, the average of our life is just super amazing. So Father, we ask for protection upon us as your children. God, sometimes we're happy to be motorbiking in our underwear, but God... We want, to be, we want to know you. You are our loving Father, and you love us so much. God, we are made for you. We are made to be in your presence. We are made to be filled with your goodness and your love. So God, I, I pray if there are people here riding in the under, they would step up and get some jeans and t-shirt on, that they would be your son and daughter. But we, God, we know that there's still a battle going on, and you tell us that prayer often makes the difference between God, your will being done and not being done, and prayer adds a layer of protection. So God, we pray protection over our families, the protection from the evil one, protection from this fallen world and fallen humanity. We pray for protection, God, over this church. We know that Satan wants to, to kill, the, steal, and destroy what's going on here, so we pray for protection. God, would you watch over our coming and we're going. God, we love you. We look to you. In Jesus' name.